I just wanted to um, give you a heads up about a couple of upcoming events, and they're in your order of service in a little insert. Um, one of them is a workshop. It's a Tibetan gong meditation session uh, with a woman named Joy Clemens. And I would encourage you, whatever your spiritual path, any, whether anything from traditional Christian to atheist agnostic, all along the spectrum, Come and do that because the experience of it, however you may interpret the language in the flyer, the experience of it is like, I don't, it, it's like nothing, I don't know, it's like taking a warm bath and sound. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, it, it's a wonderful thing. And so I would really recommend, and it's limited to 15 people and we've already got, I think, five signed up. So we'll try to maybe plan additional workshops if there's a whole lot of response. But, and the other thing is Roy Zimmerman is coming back. Roy is a singer, songwriter, satirist. He is hilarious, and we need him at this stage of our national life. Uh, that will be March 15th at 7 o'clock, and, um, and we will have child care. So mark your calendars. Thank you. Um, Sunday after next, our speaker will be Henry Walker. Um, also in that service, we will have a folk duo who are not on an insert in your orders of service. Uh, uh, Brian Kalanick and Randy Brown had asked about performing. Because we had a concert coming up soon, I told them that I didn't think a house concert would work really well. And um, I think trout fishing, no, trout fishing may be in town the night before that. They're here, so there was no way that that worked in our schedule, but they will be performing during the service, several numbers, and because it's giveaway the plate weekend, I told them we could not pass the plate for them. Um, they will have a tip jar outside. There's no admission for their entertainment, and I will remind you that if um, you enjoy their performance to please contribute to them. Uh, Brian is an award winner. Oh, I brought this so that I could read you what they said about Randy Brown. Imagine if Charles Darwin and Guy Clark and Van Morrison met at an MIT barbecue in honor of Albert Einstein's birthday, and you'll have some sense of the smartly clever mind and music of Randy Brown. Now, I know Randy, and he's pretty funny. Um, I, I don't know that I've met Brian, but he's apparently... Um, very well established and has more, more awards than they wanted to put on their flyer. So um, we look forward to that. And you know, Henry is always inspiring. So um, be sure to come week after next. Now, um, if you will, turn these things off. Yes, sir. Yes. Oh. Well, by all means, we have an Italian feast after the service in order of Valentine's Day, and people have brought all kinds of food, and we hope that you'll stay and be a part of that. Um, happy Valentine's Day, incidentally. Uh, but please stick around and help us consume this delicious repast. Um, but let's prepare to enter a spirit of worship. We are called to worship this morning by the wisdom of the world's religions, by our third source. 
And we are called to worship this morning by a story. Once there was a woman who lived a simple life in a simple village. And one night she had a dream. She dreamed that a most beautiful treasure was buried under a bridge far away in the capital city. And the dream felt so real. Have you ever had a dream like that, that you just thought for sure it was real? She saw herself approaching the city, digging under the bridge, and discovering the treasure. She awoke with a great desire for something she previously did not even know she lacked. For two more nights, she had exactly the same dream, even down to the gray coat she was wearing when she found the treasure. Convinced that the treasure was real, she asked her neighbors to watch her house. She put on her gray coat, and she set off on a long trip toward the capital. After a few days, she arrived. When she approached the Capitol Bridge, she was surprised to see a guard. Though she waited in hopes the guard would leave, she could finally wait no longer. She approached the guard and confessed that she had dreamed she would come to the Capitol Bridge and dig in the earth and find a rare treasure. That's funny, said the guard. For the past few nights, I have had the most vivid dream, too. I dreamed of a woman who looked just like you in that same gray coat who lived in a simple house in a simple village far, far away. But the strangest part of the dream was that in the oven of that woman's house was hidden a rare and beautiful treasure. Upon hearing this, the woman hurried back home. And sure enough, there was the treasure hidden in her oven. It had been right there where she could possess it all along. Can I have the pre-K and K-1 and second through fifth and also my bolts up here? Our bolts are our bearers of light and tradition. And today they're Ian and Gretchen. And we will all do the chalice lighting together. It's written in your order of service. We light this chalice to celebrate Unitarian Universalism. This is the church of the open mind. This is the church of the helping hands. This is the church of the loving heart. May we walk in grace. And may the mystical light of the universe shine upon our path as we dedicate ourselves to seeking those things, both personal and universal, that will make this world a better place for all. Every time we're together in worship, we celebrate our first principle. We covenant to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. We value the individual and honor the idea that each of us has light to shine on the world. Every time we are together in worship, we celebrate our first source, direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder 
affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. Through our own senses, we discover blessings, beauty, and grace we did not create. In this season of our church year, which we call the season of the peacemaker, we celebrate the wisdom of our sixth principle, the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. We hold to the truth that small mindful steps taken day by day in the company of an ever-enlarging definition of us can ultimately change the world. In this season, we celebrate, too, our third source, the wisdom of the world's religions which inspires us in our ethical and spiritual life. And looking through the lens of our other faiths, we can gain a greater understanding of our own. Our pre-K and K-1 class has been since, yeah, excuse me, start over. Our pre-K and K-1 class has spent this pillar learning creation stories from many faith traditions in many parts of the world. Learning the stories that people tell about themselves is one of the best ways to get to know others and to, and to build this world community. So today they're going to tell you a story of Quat the Creator, Finding Night, which is a story from the New Hebrides. Pam was the other teacher, Pam Carlisle, but she is not feeling well today. Um, so we have some help from Leanne Chamber Chambers. So thank you, Leanne. <laughs> We're going to attempt to act it out, but I think um, we haven't had much practice. I mean, we read it last week, but they're being a little squirrely today. So... <laughs> And this is Diane Bundy, who was the other teacher in the classroom. In the beginning, there was light. It never dimmed, this light over everything. It was bright, all light, all day, all night, everywhere, and there was no rest from it. Under the light was a huge stone. The stone was the mother Quadgoro. Quadgoro split in half and out came twelve sons born into the light. They were Quat and his eleven brothers, and Quat and all his brothers grew up as soon as they were born, and Quat the creator set about creating things right away. His brother tried creating things too, but they were goofy and not too successful. Quat named himself when he was born. He had no father to name him. Right away he thought about making men, and he thought about making other things like plants and pigs and stones. Quat made the first human from a tree. He carved arms and legs and then made the rest of the body apart from them. He made fingers and hands, toes and feet, ears and eyes, all neatly and carefully, and then he fitted all the parts together. He made six of these wooden puppets, and he stood them in a line so he could do a sacred dance with them. <laughs> As Quat beat on his sacred drum, the puppets danced faster and faster until they were doing the sacred dance of life to the drum beats. And once they had life, they were able to stand, to walk, and to run. 
One thing Quat noticed right off the bat was that there was so much light where he was and no darkness at all. All day, no night, and he and the other 11 brothers were getting really tired from being awake all the time. And one brother, Tangaro the fool, was trying to make his own people, but the wood kept rotting, and that brought death into the world. So Quat went out to find the night. He searched and he searched. And then eventually, he found night. And night taught him how to sleep. And sleep helped him do many more of the things he wanted to do. Sleep made him better able to think of all the new things that he still wanted to create. And Quat brought some of night back home with him so the other brothers and all the creatures they were creating could sleep too. And along the way, he picked up a few birds who tagged along behind so that even now, when night is at an end, we hear the birds singing. <laughs> Thank you. In gratitude for this place where we can hear the stories of others and learn to tell our own, we gratefully accept your gifts that sustain this community. Now our second through fifth grade class would like to tell you a story from the Buddhist tradition. One of the religions we talked about in class was Buddhism. The, Buddhist, uh, the Buddha was a great teacher who taught that we must quiet our minds and listen in order to learn and grow in spirit. Once a master teacher had a visitor who came to ask him about Buddhism. But instead of listening to the master, the visitor just kept talking and talking about his own ideas. After a while, after a while the teacher served tea. He poured into the visitor's cup until it was full, but kept on pouring, and the tea began spilling onto the table. The visitor watched in shock, then said, Don't you see it's full? You can't get any more in it. Just so, replied the teacher, stopping at last, and like this cup, you are filled with your own ideas. How can you expect me to teach you unless you offer me an empty cup? So it is important for us to keep learning and knowing things, but always to keep expanding that space to receive and know to be aware of something new. It is this kind of emptiness that we are looking for in meditation. Our high school and middle school class would like to share with you some guidelines, some helpful things to remember as we engage with those of other faiths. In this pillar, the middle and high school group studied world religions. We especially focused and went in depth into Islam to promote understanding in a time when organizations like Fox News and people like presidential candidate Donald Trump try to promote fear.
And to that end, the final thing we discussed this pillar was Swidler's list of interreligious dialogue. These guidelines are for those of us that want a meaningful dialogue with people of other faiths. They were the work of a religious scholar named Leonard Swidler, author of Towards the Universal Theology of Religion, and are often called the Dialogue Decalogue. The primary purpose of dialogue is to learn, that is, to change and grow in the perception and understanding of reality. Interreligious dialogue must be a two-sided project. Each participant participant must come to the dialogue with complete honesty and sincerity, and each participant must assume complete honesty and sincerity in the other partners. We must not compare our ideals with our partner's practice. All participants must define themselves. The interpreter must be able to recognize themselves in the interpretation. Each participant must come to the dialogue with no hard and fast assumptions as to points of disagreement. Dialogue can take place only between equals. Dialogue can take place only on the basis of mutual trust. Persons entering into interreligious dialogue must be at least minimally self-critical of both themselves and their own religious tradition. Each participant eventually must attempt to experience the partner's religion from within. And I will make that list available uh, to you. It was something I meant to put in the order of service today and forgot. My favorite is we must not compare our ideals with our partner's practice. That we look at the level playing field, that we look at the ideals of both traditions, and as they also said, that we are self-critical of our own. We come together and worship for many reasons, reasons that embody the very definition of that word, worship, to lift up and celebrate those things which are of worth to us. We reunite each week in worship to celebrate our connections to each other in community, to the interdependent web of existence, and to the divine as each of us understands it. We join in worship to seek and offer solace to each other in time of pain and sorrow, and to share our joys and triumphs. And there is another reason, to tell the story of us once again and again and again for the newcomer, the one who has come through our doors for the first time, and for ourselves, who have come through these doors many times. And so this is the time where I say again what many of you have heard before, that no, we are not that church with all the religions. We do study and we learn from the teachings of many other faiths, and all faith paths are welcome here. And we grow through our conversations and our connections with those who practice them. There is no question that we take a step forward toward the goal of world community every time we can have a conversation framed by the guidelines put forth by Swidler and rooted not only in a quest for common ground, but in a willingness to engage and even celebrate the ways that we are different. 
rooted in the very principles that, as Barbara has been saying to us, make us uniquely suited to be the models and teachers of this kind of dialogue if we remain open to that possibility. We do so not to choose from a smorgasbord of religions, nor to teach our children to do the same. We are raising Unitarian Universalists, we hope. And we want them and ourselves to grow stronger in our faith, to learn to explore our own tradition more deeply in the process of exploring others. Like the woman in the story who had to travel far from her home only to find the treasure of her dream back at home in a place that she looked every day. We travel out beyond our home to gain new eyes, to see the treasure right here when we return. You can clap for yourselves. That's okay. <laughs> I heard this. As we extinguish our chalice, let us take its light within us, ever mindful of the treasure we hold, ever willing to share it, not for the sake of conversion, but for the sake of conversation that can move us even closer to the goal of world community.